We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It is uh, going to be your Thursday, June 1st episode. Uh, surprisingly, find ourselves in June all of a sudden. I'm Jake Burns, joined by Andrew Spade. We are going to go through uh, a pretty eventful day of OTAs, Andrew. I mean, there was a you know, clips galore, big plays for the offense. We, and it's always hard. You don't always see the defense's bigger efforts. But a lot of the quotes and, and the angles of the what we heard about the defense stood out today. But I feel like it was one of the more eventful days we've seen there for a while. But but I, I hope this, as always, in the range of not bad to doing well, how are you feeling tonight? I like I think this is the thing we need to implement. So you, you <laughs> ranges. I'm not bad to I'm doing pretty well. Let's 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 find where you're at on that scale. I, yeah, definitely pretty well. Do, like do, doing pretty good. Uh, had had a nice night. Um, had a, had a delicious uh, few empanadas for dinner. Um, Lovely. Uh, strong recommendation for for the empanada place I went to. Um, no, yeah, and I I mean you're right. Today the OTAs coverage was a lot like almost what you would get from a day of training camp, right? Like there was a lot of clips and a lot of conversation. All three coordinators talked, so you know I, I just like a lot of nuggets, and it really felt like the first time that it's really you know because Stefanski's talked, but you know the way that he talks, it's it, you know there's nothing. I mean, I read the transcript. There's nothing there. You know, I mean, God bless the guy. He just doesn't. You know, there's nothing. There's no. He he will not give you a drop. But the coordinators will let some stuff loose, and so I think we 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 found a few things that kind of caught our eye. We did. So um, looking at what Schwartz had to say, and then kind of Denzel Ward gave some nuggets. So if you want to follow along with reading this article in its entirety, Fred Greetham covered. Pretty much all of what Jim Schwartz had to say. So that's available for you on the website. I wrote about, like, as I'm watching today, the quotes and the video clips, there's just a ton of hints about what they're going to do. So we'll go through them one by one. So Schwartz today mentioned a five down approach as, as something that they're going to be doing, right? It's early in the process. And he specifically noted how early it is in the process and, and trying to draw 
specific conclusions is a dangerous thing, right? So he just said they're working on communication, and that's what this session of OTAs is. You do some live, what's called skelly or or a more formal setting like called seven on seven. Uh, they do a lot of that, but it's otherwise a lot of mental reps, half speed, getting where you're supposed to be, lining up checks, strength calls. It's it's very tedious stuff, not very fun to watch, but very important to the process. But uh, Schwartz gave us some 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 really good uh, little little bits to chew on here. So uh, he said, with the five down approach, there they they won't keep any secrets. You'll probably see five guys in pass rush a lot of times. We probably have five of them out there. We'll drop a guy occasionally, but we'll place them down uh, five stuff. He said we'll play we'll all, we'll place them down five stuff, and all that goes back to the corners that we have. Um, basically saying that they're going to bring five people now, whether they do a bear front or walk up a Sam backer or how they go about that. It sounds like he doesn't give a shit if people know what he's going to do. Like we have good corners. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to bring five people. We're going to get creative with how we bring that fifth person. But like Schwartz again, echoed a lot of what he's believed for a long time, which is the way to change, alter and uh, punish offenses is to get after the quarterback. And he's like, you know, this is rooted in, everything that I've talked to other coaches and quarterbacks about, like what bothers them, how do you how do you get stopped? And it just seems like his arrival at this place is a not unknown, right? Like I think the league knows Jim Schwartz pretty well. And, uh, and should you be concerned about that? No, because I think any good defense in the NFL, whether back in the eighties through the two thousands to, to now they do like five things really well. And they don't really care if you know what they do well, because they're so good at it. It doesn't matter. That's what the Browns are trying to get to. They're trying to simplify a lot of things, which we're going to talk about. But this five-down approach is something Schwartz is talking about. They're going to bring five people as often as they can. Now, like he said, they're going to get creative and drop out and all of that. But it seems like the aggression stuff that we have presumed is going to be there is is now an outward quote from Schwartz. And he brings some, uh, he brings some confidence. I, I don't think he brings uh, the what, – what, there's a scale of confidence between quiet demeanor Joe Woods and Greg Williams from from Browns fans' experience. <laughs> Andrew, he seems to be right in the middle. It's yeah. it reeks of a guy confident that I've done this before. I know how to do it, but it also feels like he has a willingness to learn. And I hope he gets this question asked to him soon enough about his Tennessee did. Like, what did he yep. take away from this role in Tennessee, and how has it sort of altered his thought process around his defense from the time he left Philly? But this part remains the same. And he talked about NFL defensive lines are like bullpens. You got to have a bunch of different types of guys that can come in and get the right matchup, et cetera, et cetera. But it's exciting to hear him talk about a five down, what they want to do with blitzing and, and bringing a fifth, a fifth rusher as often as they can. But the trust in the corners is stands out to me too, Andrew. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think the, the comments on, you know, the, how he feels about the secondary and, and feeling comfortable bringing five, you know, in the rush, you know, pretty often, um, it it definitely indicates a level of of aggressiveness that you know I think we kind of had a, had a sense, but but you know at, at times when you've you've read about Schwartz and how he likes to play defense, you've also just heard that he's content to rush with four, not really bring that pressure and kind of you know and 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 let those four win, uh, and and rely on that to create the pressure. So the idea that he's you know kind of talking like that. You know, and I also didn't get the sense that it was necessarily like he wasn't talking about it in terms of bringing five, you know, like bringing a linebacker or, or a, a corner off the edge. It really felt more like he was talking about like a five down, right? And so, 
Um, just thinking about the roster that they've built with with the three pass rushers, you know, uh, of starting quality, Smith, Okoronkwo, and Garrett, and then thinking about, you know, where they're at sort of on the interior. It's just, it kind of is a different way of thinking about things. And I think it might, you know, it, potentially we could see the roster construction even impacted a little bit like this. If they're, if they're planning on doing that a fair amount and his comments about rotation, right. And, and um, keeping guys fresh, they might need to keep 10 defensive linemen between defensive ends and, ta- and tackles just to make sure that they've got the bodies to do what Schwartz wants to do. What he actually means by five down. I think he, I think he means five guys in a creative fashion, but he might mean more bare front stuff. I, I don't really know for sure. Yeah. I, and how, how he pairs that into like, is he talking base looks with three linebackers? I'd like to dig into what he means by that. And there could be some defensive gurus who have a better feel for what he means by that. But I generally think it, it means five rushers, but it could mean more five guys with their hand. I don't know. He's never been an odd front guy. So it would be a little interesting to me, not that he won't do it, but it is uh, at least something to to follow up on at some point and, and pay attention to what they're doing in some of the, uh, you know, practices with, with looks they are showing up front. Um, next one is rotating nickel roll. So Denzel Ward spoke today about the slot corner roll being moved to uh, some sort of a moving target for who's playing there. He noted he'll be aligning there, which there's a video of him playing in the slot today. Not something he's not used to doing, but he's certainly um, has not done it very often, but I think he can do it. I certainly think there's types of wide receivers he do well against in there. It's it's how much does he want to tackle? That's always the question for anybody aligning in there. But it does seem like there's going to be some differences in who's playing in there. And Schwartz noted the same thing. He said you could see different players for each game uh, playing in the nickel, which is exciting to me because I think it helps in uh, altering how teams prepare for the Browns and what they can do if there's a if there's a big slot player. Like could they move Martin Emerson inside? Right, there's a lot to chew on. Right, they could use like a Rodney McLeod in there. Mm-hmm. Or if they think they need somebody with a bit more speed, could they play Grant Delpit down there? There's just a lot of open-endedness now to a role that was pretty narrow uh, for for what they had going on um, last year with, with Joe Woods. So he said that they won't do like series to series uh, and probably won't alter it much in game, but but game by game with preparation, they think they could do that. So that to me, alleviating some things, I have to think that's what they talked about with Greg Newsom. That's a big part of selling him on his future role is like, yeah, you'll be in there, but we're going to move guys in and out of that role. You know what I mean? I feel like that makes the most sense and it certainly aligns. Yeah. I think that, that I mean, I, and I think this kind of flows into your, your next point too, about, you know, the types of coverages they play, but it does feel like all, you know, this stuff is just in the neighborhood of like doing the, the simple stuff. You know what I mean? Like um, doing the thing that makes the most sense. I mean, Denzel Ward is, you know, a, a, a cornerback with, with really great change of direction, you know, and, and, and is comfortable playing off the ball, you know, in the way that you need to in the slot. And so, um, you know, he, I think can fit there against certain receivers. And then if you play a team that has, you know, more of a Keenan Allen type coming out of the slot, then, you know, Emerson can definitely stick with that guy and, 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 you know, mitigate his physicality, both in the run game and, and, you know, and, and, some of the inside routes. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it, it, this is like common sense stuff that we just weren't hearing enough in, in years past where it, it felt like things needed to be complicated for the sake of being complicated. And, you know, I, I mean, Schwartz, to your point earlier, this is, we're definitely headed back towards the Greg Williams type thing where he just kind of tells you what he's going to do and then, and then tells you how it, you know, how, how he's going to beat you with it. 
again, it just sounds like Denzel Ward was kind of excited about it, I guess, is the way I would put it. It didn't seem like there was any any dread in which doing that. It feels like there's a collective uh, excitement about doing that. And that kind of played into what he was talking about with read coverages, because they're going to go away from read coverages, which they did last year. And Ward um, kind of said in so many words, like the, the Jim Schwartz brings what he brings, eliminates a lot of miscommunication problems on the defense last year. And what he's talking about there is, there are coverages in the NFL and colleges use these too, and sometimes high school at a simpler level, but they'll use coverages where uh, if, if for example, number one goes inside, it's passed off, but if he carries vertical and number one is in, in football terms, uh, the outside receiver, uh, the corner runs with them. If number two is an out player immediately, right? If he has a speed out, the corner takes him, the safety jumps the vertical from number one. It's what's called palms coverage. The Browns played a lot of it. It's a variation of quarters, which is, cover four. There were other read coverages that they had in last year too, which I don't want to delve too far into, but it sounds like the simplification of what they do defensively, which can be a good thing. can be a bad thing if you don't have enough talent, but I think the Browns have enough talent and we've seen them in the secondary now with enough guys, you know, not do enough of what they're supposed to be able to handle. Like the thing that we talked about last year, Andrew, it felt like we were talking constantly about how these guys, like what, like simple things. Think back to the Panthers. I think it was Robbie Anderson had a deep touchdown in the mm-hmm. second half that brought that game back into something close. And then the Jets miscommunication that the Corey, uh, Corey Davis deep touched, like it just continually happened where it's like these guys are just looking around. They're not reading whatever they're supposed to know to pass on, move players in certain locations. They couldn't figure it out. And that, that I think that, it does mean an uptick in man, which is one of the most simple things you can do, right? That's just you guard this guy. But I do think they're going to play some some different coverages as well. But it sounds like they want to take a lot of the trickiness, the this guy does this, process it, you react off of it, and try to really simplify roles. And uh, I feel like Schwartz, the big thing when they talk to Schwartz is can you get these guys to play without thinking? Because I think they think uh, the coaching staff, the leaders of the Browns organization – thinks that their guys on defense are thinking and not reacting, if that yep. makes sense. And yeah. I think that that's an encouraging thing to hear. And Denzel sounded excited about that. Yeah, this this goes back to, um, you know, this goes back to the conversation about uh, that we had right at the beginning of the offseason where it seemed like one of the things they thought was by hiring Schwartz, they were going to remake the defense just by making that change woods for Schwartz, you know, and, and obviously mm-hmm. they have added talent, a, a ton of talent and, and credit to them, you know, that that's going to help too, but they, you know, they, for sure, um, there was, there was some, some of the way that the, the, uh, the Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, but then also like, you know, uh, the Cleveland Browns media, you know, uh, the, the Cleveland Browns daily guys were talking about the switch from woods to Schwartz was that it was it, it might just be as simple as as letting guys play. And and so there was there was a lot of that language even in January and I think we're kind of seeing the rubber meeting the road now. Indeed. And we're going to see more of that. I'm interested to hear more of those guys those guys quotes uh moving forward like what 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 Greg Newsom thinks of it some of the others. So, um next thing that they they hinted on here is positional players like a quote that stood out to me that I threw into our OBR Slack channel was uh, that reference specifically uh, Alex and Jordan is a name that, that Jim Schwartz threw yep. out there. He said, we have some young players developing that have a good off season so far. So Alex and Jordan are obviously Alex Wright and Jordan Elliott. 
He said both of them have stood out in a lot of stuff, and I think both of them can contribute inside. And my eyes obviously get a little widened because mm-hmm. inside for Alex Wright is not where he was drafted. He's drafted as an edge. Does that mean you're going to play him? Like, is he moving to a large share of snaps on the inside? I think he has a big body type to be a wide four I three tech guy that can that can really rush on an outside shoulder of a guard. I'm I'm excited by that. He said uh, he continued, but flexibility is important for matchups and game, moving guys around a little bit. You'll probably see a little bit more guys moving around maybe than they've done in the past, which tells me, again, he's going to be moving miles. He's going to be moving to Darius inside and, you know, messing around with uh, different variations of moving these guys. So, I mean, the Alex Wright thing is is huge. It's potentially yep. a, a very big change for him, but it still seems like this group is interested in Jordan Elliott. And I had this conversation too in the Slack about like, it just seems like maybe the guys grading these, the, the PFFers grading these players, they see something different here. I have no other answer for it at this point. It's the second straight off season. Jordan Elliott has been mentioned by a, uh, somebody important in the Browns defensive structure. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I mean, they had, they had absences today, but it was Jordan Elliott and Maurice Hurst getting the starting snaps at, at, at a point. You know, that was that was part of your starting uh, defensive line. So, um, yeah, I mean, I it's so hard to know, Jake, because, yeah, there was, as you mentioned, a ton of uh, positive press for Jordan Elliott last offseason. They to the point that that seemed like they were really gassing him up, you know, and we know how that turned out. Um, I think there's a world in which, you know, he's maybe just a guy that is a better practice player than game player. You know, those that happens in the NFL. Um, and I also think that there's a world in which Chris Kiffin and Joe Woods weren't really teaching the defensive line stuff the way that it needed to be taught. And, you know, a young player like Jordan Elliott never really developed under them. And, you know, Jim Schwartz sees, sees the athletic traits that he had when he was drafted and sees the you know, the, the versatility that he has because he has played for the Browns. He has played, you know, uh, more of a nose and also a three tech at different times, you know, depending on where they've needed depth. So in that regard, he does have a little bit of versatility. Um, so what, you know, whether it's him or right, I think the, you know, the, the question is, you know, is Jim, our, our Jim Schwartz and then, you know, Ben Bloom, who moved from being the run game coordinator, the defensive run game coordinator to being the defensive line coach. Are they able to teach this in a way that is getting through to these guys, you know, in a different way? Because obviously last year, same amount of hype or, or, you know, more hype, whatever, ton of hype. And the results just weren't there. Um, I mean, at all, like, and, and yeah, your point about the PFF grading is, is well taken, but it was also all over the tape. Like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to tell you, you, you were watching it every week. Jor, you know, Jordan Elliott, Perry and Winfrey, Tommy Togiai, these guys were getting washed down the field. Like they were, the linebackers were catching these guys, you know? So um, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, maybe if he was lined up a little bit inside, like they were just getting beat, you know? And so yeah. they, maybe there's some technique stuff that allows them to not get uh, absolutely demolished in the run game. I would, I'm open to that, but there's a part of this to me that just will continue to be suspicious about Elliot specifically ever being the player that they seem to want to think he is every off season. They like him somehow. I mean, he's going to have another chance unless they, it's not to say they're not turning over every personnel stone here at this point. They're, they're certainly a a second win to this Browns uh, structure of adding talent when the June 1st deadline comes and goes. So 
uh, we'll see, right? There, there's obviously the, they're in the mix for DeAndre Hopkins still, and uh, there's a lot to be decided, but it feels like they, they know uh, to continue to look at personnel and, and maybe, I don't know, we, we thought last year they would add more, but this is what they did. But uh, to mention Jordan specifically, maybe something's clicking. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to say never is never. It's a no, developmental sure. position, you know? And so. it's been a, it's been a few times that he's been mentioned. It wasn't just today. It's been a few times already through OTAs that he's been getting shout outs again. And so, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe it takes him, you know, the, through the end of his rookie contract to finally kind of, put it all together i like he's i said playing with immense talent andrew like, uh, absolutely immense yes. talent around right. him now it, it so. would be i and nobody would be more excited than the two of us to sit here and say hey he finally put it all together and is you know i mean even yeah. if he ended up being the third defensive tackle in the rotation you know i don't even think he needs to be a starter to justify his draft slot he just needs to be able to get on the field and produce yeah i'm with it i think it's encouraging and we'll see what he and a lot of these guys how, how jok plays with more talent up front and you know all these guys with improved depth and talent and structure absolutely could be, could be different so we'll obviously be open to anybody being better we like telling guys uh, that they're playing better that's fun that's fun stuff to break down uh, alex van Pelt also had some comments outside of the article that i wrote about defense so we're going to take a quick break come back and then andrew and i will hit on those comments from van pelt we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, hit me with those that you thought stood out from Van Pell, Andrew. Yeah, so I'm going back and looking, and I, I actually will give you three. Um, so the first one, this is a small one, but I mean, this was the clip that was all over social media today was uh, Watson really airing it out for Goodwin. It's hard to tell because of the camera angle, but it looked like a 50 or 60 yard bomb. Um, so Van Pelt on on Watson with the new pass catchers, uh, you know, he, he says, uh, I think it's gone well, really. I think we had uh, two explosives today where we stretched the field, bringing in Marquise Goodwin. And Elijah Moore has been a boost to that room with their playmaking ability and their speed down the field. Just getting a feel for those guys right now and their timing and their pass routes, that's the big part. Uh, impressive. We hit a couple of deep balls today. 
uh, this is the interesting part. We've circled that as an area of improvement and we showed up today. So that's a good start. Yeah. Marquise Goodwin's a guy that is going to find the field. Like he was too good last year for Seattle. He was good in the slot and they played him outside and he put together some really <laughs> genuinely terrifying routes for corners to cover. So not surprised at all seeing him make two downfield play. Like his speed is something that I don't think like uh, from a football speed perspective, something that these Browns DBs are used to. I expect him to continue to stand out in some of these downfield efforts. And uh, I think you'll have a role. Deshaun always has liked a guy who can really run. I mean, yep. putting him into uh, the football, into space, letting those guys go run it down. He's always played with somebody like that. So uh, again, not at all surprised uh, to see Goodwin thriving. And I think he is going to have some kind of role. Like it could be, think about old Travis Benjamin days, right? Mm -hmm. Where you could see him going for like five, 600 yards of, you know, uh, right around like 18 or so yards per catch just because yep. they're big plays. So right. I think there's potential for that there. And that's why they went out and did their due diligence to bring him in. And like I said, the, the tape was, it's not something to laugh. Like this isn't Jakeem Grant, no disrespect to him. Mm -hmm. He was sort of a, a, uh, kick return punt return guy dressed up with the wide receiver label this is a wide receiver he is yeah. a he can he can run you know he's not very nuanced he's not tough there's certain routes he won't run can't run can't win but there are some routes he can win and if you have a quarterback that likes to find those throws which Deshaun has shown a preference for in his career you can see a role that can mean something more than just people think he's sitting at the bottom of the depth chart as a depth answer and I don't right. think that's necessarily the case yeah, and it, and the, it's the tracking of it too, right? Because a lot of times those gadget guys that have that short area quickness, then you get them on the the long route, and they don't really even know where to. They don't want to where to look for the ball. I mean, we sit, we saw that with Anthony Schwartz a half dozen times where he just can't even find it. Um, but Goodwin, the way that he adjusted with the ball in the air, and you see that on tape too. Like he's a guy that can find it, you know, and he uses his speed to find it. Which that's that's the type of thing, as you said, Watson really likes to kind of hang it out there. And, um, you know, let the guys go under it. And that's that's what Goodwin can do. So, yeah, um, I think that just the part where Van Pelt said, you know, as I said before, Stefanski doesn't give any of this stuff away for free. So Van Pelt being like, yeah, the deep ball is an area of improvement for us. It's like, I mean, I would have guessed that, but it's nice to hear somebody say it. <laughs> yeah. And I think Kevin is, um, to his credit, you're very right. He is so reserved. I, I feel like he also mentioned something similar when they got him at the owners meetings where he was sitting down yeah. at that table. He mentioned something similar about wanting to be more dynamic in the deeper portions of the field. So mm -hmm. uh, AVP is a very much salute and fall in line type. I, I don't think he would say anything that Kevin has said him for him to shut up and not say. No, but I agree. To your point, Kev Kevin is not. Kevin needs like a couple beers, man. Like he, he really needs that to open up in any well, way. I mean, I, I kind go ahead. I kind of think it's I I kind of think it's that they uh, that Kevin knows that if he says it, everybody's going to pay attention. Yeah, it's true. It could be. I think you know, he, you know he's the quote grabber. So right. If if, if, he, if, if he runs yeah. on with it, yeah. If Kevin ahead. says it, then by week three they're not throwing the ball deep. It's hey, you said in the preseason this this yeah. and this. But if Van Pelt says it, it gets reported, but it doesn't really penetrate the same way. And so I yeah. think. You know, I flash back to some of the stuff that Chris Kiffin said uh, after the Jadavian Clowney stuff at the end of the season. And um, I mean, I know Kiffin's not with the team anymore, and so I, it's hard to know whether he, he was doing that with permission or not. But yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Stefanski's you know sort of smart enough to delegate sometimes when the, you know he wants the message to get out, but he doesn't want it coming out of his mouth. I've always loved interviews with coordinators and position coaches more specifically because yeah. that's where you actually learn what they're teaching, what they're exactly. thinking, yeah. how they're going about stuff. So yeah. 
I think you're very right on that point. And you have another good one here. So go ahead. Yeah. So one. this is another thing that I, for sure, I don't think Stefanski would say. Uh, the question is about, you know, Deshaun building back confidence and, and kind of growing in his, you know, second off season with the Browns. Uh, asking if, if Van Pelt can see evidence of that growth. Absolutely. Uh, Van Pelt says there's no question. It's just his confidence in the system itself, understanding and what we're asking of him and how to communicate at the line of scrimmage, everything from protections to calling plays in the huddle. He's improved tenfold since this time last year. Uh, he made a throw today. I haven't seen it uh, before the hair stood up my, on my arm talking about that uh, over the middle touchdown to Elijah Moore. Um, so, but I thought, you know, the part where he said he's improved tenfold from this time last year. And again, we're, we're, you know, you don't want to blow any of this stuff out of proportion, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of questions about is, is, is a second off season knowing he's got the full season with the team going to be the thing that kind of helps Watson get back to where he was as a quarterback. And a lot of, you know, I mean, so much of the Browns season rides on that (laughs) essentially taking place. So to see Van Pelt basically saying that, yeah, he's seeing that happen uh, in real time, that he's that much more comfortable and that much more sort of established, playing with a little bit of swagger, um, to me that that is you know the sort of quote that you're looking for that it indicates to you that the stuff that we've kind of hinted at and wondered about off se- all offseason is maybe actually coming to fruition right now in Berea. I'm, in, I'm certainly encouraged by hearing about the protection stuff because you and I have spoke about this before where – he wants more control of that stuff. Yeah. He's mentioned it. Yep. It sounds like that might be happening. We can't confirm it, but it sounds like it might be happening. So you like to hear that. Uh, you, you certainly like hearing him taking more ownership of everything. Uh, I think that to the bigger point you're making there, Andrew, about the second year, I really don't think that we can put um, the the proper weight on everything last year for him. Now, again, this is not the world turned on Deshaun and, and it was right. it, it, it Deshaun Watson put himself yep. whether he he did everything that was said or not, he he put himself in a position to be vulnerable and make other people uncomfortable enough to to do those things. So I mean like Deshaun did put himself in those positions himself. So this is not a woe is me thing, but it is a a feeling of it's not like the, the, the 11 game suspension happens and then like, it's just a big relief. Like, no, this guy carried a lot. He carried a lot of, uh, whatever it is, Andrew, whether that's guilt, whether that's, um, you know, not being like, I don't know if shame is the right word, but public shame where he feels like the the world hates him. Um, he has been a guy wherever he's been at high school in Georgia at Clemson in Houston loved. And yep. I mean, adored. Yeah. And then now everybody hates me. And, and, and I don't think that that can be under, I don't know if it's understated, but like that getting used to that feeling of, um, you know, uh, everything that was hanging over him from the legal system to then being traded to then the NFL goes back and suspends you. And like ev- that there, there was, there was so much there, man, for for a person to navigate and yeah. then having missed so much time and then knowing that you have the pressure of the people wanting you to fail. And then you're going into an environment in Houston in these last six games where I haven't really thrown an NFL pass in a long time. It's a lot to get. Moral of the story here is I don't think we've done enough to explain how 
and again, when I say how difficult it was for him, I, it makes me sound like right. it's not his doing, but it is right. like he has a huge part in that situation uh, that he put himself in. Uh, obviously, the blame pie is is pretty massive in his direction. Yeah. So like, again, I, without wading too deep into waters, I don't want to get into here. Uh, I just think that there was a lot there, a lot of mental burden, a lot of of thinking about things that weren't football related. Put it that mm-hmm. way. How much mm-hmm. of his mind was focused on football, even through the 11 game suspension coming back and all is it's a lot. And I think that him having more time to get away, get the further away from that situation, more time to just be in Berea and be with people, get to know people, get to feel I don't know, man, less judged. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, Andrew, but like just in an environment, I guess that he feels comfortable and some people aren't okay with the environment that has been created for him. And I understand that, but yep. like he is removed from the situation that happened yep. more than ever. And he's comfortable in Cleveland. He's comfortable in the organization. And it's going to, I think it's just going to be, a different version of the football because he's really just focusing on football. Right. And for him as talented as he is above all else, because that's, what's given him all these opportunities in life. It's there. It's not like this six game sample size. It just disappeared and he's just no longer able to do, he can do it. It's there. And I'm not going to be surprised if it gets tapped into the way, what what Van Pelt is kind of saying there, where it's just like, okay, he's let go of all of these other mental things that were blocking a lot of his growth or uh, reestablishment into the game because just missing that, say if he just tore his ACLs, both of them, boom, tore them, and he missed those that amount of time. Yep. That's hard enough in and of itself mm-hmm. to then come back and play again. But to, to miss the time he missed and then have all of this, his world shifting in an, an entirely – it's a lot, man. It's, it is about as much as a, a football player who can still end up playing the game of football can go through yeah, and then, and then try to come out and play and, and get everything right again. A new organization, everything feels weird. It's not normal. It's a new city. It's a new everything. The offense wasn't structured around him yet because why would it be? He's only playing six games uh, among many other things. Like, I think that that's a reason why, as I talk more and more about him and going forward, like, he should be really damn good again. He should, because there's just a lot less in his face hanging over him than before. And there should be just a very loose version of this football player. And we all know how talented he is. And uh, uh, I just am going to say that I won't be surprised if he returns to being the damn good 2020 version right away, like in this upcoming season pretty quickly, because he's still insanely talented. And it's just a matter of getting all the other stuff pushed aside and out of the way. And this is what the Browns wanted and thought would come all along, right? That's why they did it. Like, he'll get through this. He'll get beyond it. And then we get this guy again. And I think you will. I I mean, I just, I think you will because you'll get removed from it, Andrew. So, I don't know. Long-winded and I don't know if it hit on the right notes, but I I think it was just way bigger uh, for him than than what we think. And everyone just thought he should come back in, in these six games and be really good again. And it's like, you don't understand how mental, like, the the yeah. How yeah. all this works on a person's brain. It's mm-hmm. so much, man. It's so mm-hmm. much among internal and external factors. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it seems like he's, you know, for better or worse here, depending on how you feel about him, he's in a better place. It just, it does seem like he's in a much better place. You hear him talk and all of it. So, you know. Yeah. Is- no, I, I think you make a lot of good points, Jake. I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing that I take away from from that, and, and I think it's 
you know, reflecting on, you know, having covered the Browns last off season, you know, when we weren't sure what the suspension was going to be and, and how long he wasn't going to be with the team and all of that stuff. And, you know, the roller coaster that was last off season. I mean, if, if you remember correctly, uh, you know, the, things were really just ramping up in June at the beginning of June last year and, and June and July were some of the more consequential months for the whole thing because of just because of the timeline of the, the ruling from the judge Robinson and how it all unfolded. I would just say that I think because of the uniqueness of, you know, the unique nature of this situation and, you know, the, the, the sort of public backlash to, to what, you know, he is accused to have done. It's really hard to even just talk. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, it's very hard to just talk about this as, as just the facts of it. Right. And not talking about the facts of what he's accused of having done, but talking about the facts of how, the off the field, uh, you know, drama and, 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 you know, accusations and criminal, you know, criminal and then civil uh, litigation, how that impacts uh, a player as a football player, right? Like, it's just, I think it's just impossible to have that conversation uh, because of, because it's just, you, you as you kind of, you know, walk through it's you, you don't want to, come across as being sympathetic to a guy who is accused of doing some pretty, pretty awful things. Uh, but you also, you know, understand that the Browns made a calculated gamble that at some point he would obviously get past all of that. And so, you know, I mean, it, it, it is an incredibly difficult position to be in as somebody who is trying to talk about a football team to have to suddenly try and parse this stuff, not only from the perspective of the moral right and wrong of it, but also trying to understand how very complicated off the field situations Im- impact somebody's mental preparation to play the game of football. Um, and, you know, I think the, the analogy you made about, a, you know, an injury like tearing your ACL compared to, to what happened to Watson last off season is, is probably as instructive as it gets. And, and, you know, we should add that that's not even the beginning of it from his perspective, because he also missed the entire 2021 season for the same reason. So, you know, his, his sort of dealing with this and being enmeshed and sort of encircled in all of this goes, you know, dates back two years at this point, over two years. And so, you know, if there is really a path for him to just be a football player, you know, which I think if, you know, you, you look at a player who has, you know, served the suspension that the league thought was appropriate and, you know, has tried to, you know, I think, do the things that they have asked him to do. If he is able to, if he's allowed to just focus on football, then I think a lot of what you said uh, can come to pass. But I also think, you know, there's, I, to me, there's just no guarantee that that stuff goes away ever. Right. I mean, like, uh, I, but, but again, this is a, this is a much deeper conversation than I think we wanted to have about, (laughs) you know, the, the OTAs and, 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 Alex Van Pelt's press conference, but I think it's a really interesting topic because it really speaks to, you know, I mean, the, the fundamental question is, can you go back to the person you were, or does he have to become a new version of himself that can, uh, you know, still accomplish the things that he used to be able to accomplish? And is it possible to do that? And I think that's a, that now we're into f- philosophy. We're, we're deep, <laughs> we're deep out yeah. here into, you know, into pure philosophical questions. 
Yeah, he's just in a new realization of life that he has to get accustomed exactly. to. Yeah. And like wh- whatever he wants, how however he gets there, I'm sure there's I don't I don't imagine there's therapy involved in all of this. You, yeah. you if you if you you know let people down in your life, and again, yeah. you're waiting. <laughs> It's accusation based. Nothing happened criminally, civilly. The NFL said they think it happened in in some way, shape or form. I don't know. But like, you know, when you have this, he's dealing with whether he did it or didn't do. The only person that knows what happened in there is pretty much Deshaun. He knows his intentions. He knows what happened and how he's dealing with that, you know, is for him to deal with. Uh, I just know that there are stories of these things derailing people mentally, right? Yep. Of uh, the, the 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 trying to live with it all, or yeah, go beyond going forward. I, I really don't know, man. And you're right; we are way way out in the waters of a conversation we didn't even <laughs> intend to have. But like, he long story short of what we're trying, he seems better. Uh, he seems yeah. better. And the, if you get the better version mentally of Deshaun Watson, who is doing all the right things on and off the field. I think that's what the Browns had to hope would happen here. I mean, there's no other reason they would have done the trade if they didn't think that whether they were judging him as guilty or not guilty of whatever happened, they thought they could get a certain version of him going forward. It seems like that's on the right track, I guess, is uh, from the outside looking in uh, because of where he seems to be mentally. You hear him talk and then obviously putting it together on the football field and it's showing itself. So, uh, we went way deeper than we needed to there, probably, but it still is a <laughs> it's still a stra- a year removed, man. It's a strange yeah. topic, one I don't love discussing on this show very much, but also have to understand that with Deshaun Watson and, and everybody wants to know, like, what ver- are you getting a top five quarterback again? And 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 there are a lot of people torn on who, who he is as a player. To ignore the mental part of that, him recovering to becoming the the form of player that we saw before he sat out the 2021 season it's like you have to look at you have to see how he seems as a person at the because yep. it, it all ties together there, there, there's not a separation at times right there is the man in the arena and all of that and i get it but sometimes baggage mental stuff trickles over and i think we're getting more aware of that as a society uh that that the mental impacts your mental process your your mental uh, health obviously mm-hmm. impacts a lot more than what people want to admit. So uh, Deshaun Watson's mental health is a, uh, it's a, it's a can of worms that I don't want to get into, but like uh, the Browns are hoping that, that it obviously goes in the direction it seems to be going. So nothing but positive to say, because if you do get that version of him, they're going to have a really good quarterback. That's it. There's they are. He's too talented for that. So we'll leave it at that, Andrew. Yeah, this is, I mean, long, yeah, the, the summary of this, Jake, is that this is what happens when we record after midnight. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty true. We're kind of fumbling over words because we're trying to walk on tight. What do they say in succession? We're trying to walk on a, a tightrope on a razor blade or something like that. Yeah. So that's what you're, that's what yeah. you're doing because there are, you know, there are some folks who don't believe any of it and some folks who do. And yeah. they're not trying to tell you how to feel. Right. But there is, whether innocent or guilty, and everything that was around the, the situation, there's a lot mentally for Deshaun Watson to handle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a feel bad for Deshaun Watson thing from my side. Like he put himself in these positions. The the, the stuff that we've seen is is his voluntary, you know, uh, element in that whole thing too. So, but again, you have to recover. Whether the person is guilty or the you know whether somebody did something to someone else, or whether you were the person 
um, you know, on the, on the victim or, uh, whatever side, you know, like the, yeah. the, the, uh, yeah. accuser or uh, guilty party, like you have to figure out how to move on with your life. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's yep. what he has to navigate. So we'll see how he does with that. But it seems like, again, it's in a pretty good direction. So, all right, man, let's it off before we <laughs> drive this boat into the shallow waters. So yeah. we'll yeah. leave it at that. Thanks for joining, man. I hope, I hope you guys, uh, <laughs> got a lot out of this. There were really a lot of great quotes at, at camp today and a lot of really good ones. Um, you know, and, uh, structure of Van Pelt too, and encouraging stuff about Deshaun being better because at the end of the day, we're here to talk about the Browns winning games and he's the driving factor in that. That's so it. We'll leave it at that. Andrew, good show, man. Thanks for being here, buddy. Always a pleasure, Jake. Have a good night. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today. Check out the OBR, all the OTA content you could conceivably want. I'm going to also write up uh, what kind of player DeAndre Hopkins is and whether you should be interested in having him uh, as a necessity or as a luxury. So that'll be up for you guys at the OBR. Uh, on Thursday. So check that out. Appreciate you being here. Thanks to Andrew for stopping by and recording with me. Have a great, great, listen, a great Thursday. All right. Make sure you do that. Go Browns. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.